Good morning. Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I have the honor of being the lead pastor here at Cassidy, and it is a great joy to be able to be with you this morning in worship and to be able to celebrate what God is doing right here in this place. Uh, if you're new here, you are welcome here. We are excited to have you here uh, because we, we are a group of people who recognize we're imperfect people, uh, but we know the perfect one, and that's Jesus, and we're just trying to connect with Jesus and connect others with Jesus so that we together can take our next steps in Christ. My hope is that this morning finds you uh, excited because it's warmer outside. Well, today it's not quite as nice as yesterday, but it's warmer outside and things are moving in the right direction uh, for me personally because it needs to be warmer uh, outside for me to be happy. And uh, so my hope is that, that you're excited about that as well because we've started the season of Lent and Lent is this idea of 40 days of being getting prepared for Easter. And, and we've also been talking about this sermon series that we have, which is uh, long story short, which you saw the bumper for it. And again, if you haven't noticed by now, uh, all of those pictures tell the entire story of the Bible in one picture. And we started by talking about creation. Uh, and it's really echoey up here and my, my head is starting to vibrate. Sorry. Um, so we got a new soundboard. We're working on it. Uh, but uh, we, we started by talking about creation, that God created uh, everything and then invited us to be a part of that by creating us as well. Uh, and then it wasn't very long and the conflict of the story of the Bible enters in and that's us being uh, especially human and breaking our, our promises to God and going our own way. Uh, we, we've talked through uh, the fact that we've got um, this idea that God re- uh, decided to move forward with his plan of redemption. And the first thing that he does is he chooses Noah, a man, and then he moves later to choosing, uh, and we have a slide for this, choosing Abraham for as a family. And then we choose Moses as a nation, and not just Moses, but the nation of Israel. And that's where we left it off last week was we were talking about uh, the, the 10 plagues and how God has pulled his people free from the Egyptians uh, and this week, we're going to be talking about covenant, uh, which for our purposes, we need to kind of understand what covenant is. Covenant is a binding agreement, right? That's, that's, a le it, that's really the, the extent of it. We think sometimes as Christians, we think, you know, and if honestly, if you're Christian, you probably have heard this term only used in church. And if you're not Christian, uh, you've probably never heard this term because it's not something we use now. But at the time, this was a common practice. This is how people made deals. And it's not just, uh, it's, this isn't like you're going to go buy 18 sheep, right? That's not this kind of a deal. This is something that kings would do. And, and uh, so there, there's two different types of covenant. The first one is an equals covenant where they are both equal in there. So two kings would get together and say, hey, we're not going to attack one another and and they said okay yes and they're they're about equal now maybe one has a little bit more power but it's not an outstanding amount of power more on either side and the second covenant and and which is more interesting for our purposes is a word that even if you've been in church your whole life you've maybe never heard and that is uh that is a vassal covenant and it's it's important for us to understand because the suzerain vassal covenant is the idea that one, with one lies all the power, and with the other 
uh, lies the benefit of that power. So here's, here's the deal. If you're a king and there is a little border community uh, that, that has, maybe they have their own king or whatever, you, you can make a suzerain vassal treaty for, with them. And they, as long as they remain faithful to the treaty, they get all the benefits of the relationship. Somebody attacks them, it's like they're attacking you and you send your army to defend them. Something goes wrong, you protect them, you help them, you send aid to them. It's a, a treaty that is beneficial for them. And here's, here's why that's important, because that's what God is doing for us at the covenant that we're going to be looking at today. God is the one with all the power. None of the people are like, okay, God, we're equals here. Um, I don't know if you didn't know that. Uh, now you do. Uh, God, we're not equals. Uh, and God, God is in inviting us into this covenant. Now, here's, here's the way covenants would go down, and because we don't do this anymore, and this is probably a number one reason, uh, is that typically covenants are cut. And what that means is they would literally cut animals in half, and then you would walk between them and say something like, may it be to me as it is to these animals if I break the covenant. Now, that's a pretty picture. You don't want to go buy a car and have to, like, walk between squirrels or anything. Uh, although squirrels, never mind. Uh, so it, it, whatever it is, is one of those pictures. We don't do this anymore. And, uh, and it's important for us to recognize that covenants, it, it was very serious. You didn't, it wasn't just a random agreement and, and not one that you would willingly break uh, unless you uh, move off in a different direction. And so covenants were important, but it was also another example of God using what's commonplace and using that to reveal a little bit more of himself. So with that knowledge in mind, now that we understand that, we can move on and take a look at what's happening with the newly freed people of Israel. They have crossed the sea and they come across on dry land and they are now free of the tyranny of Egypt and it is like within six steps and the Back to Egypt Committee forms. I don't know if you've heard about this. This is the Back to Egypt Committee. Uh, oh, it was so much better in Egypt. All we had to do was make bricks all day and, and we were fed and we were happy and now we're out in the middle of nowhere and we're suffering and, and they, they get a little, a little bitter toward Moses, and they're like, you brought us out here to die. And, and so let me give you some examples, because it, it boggles my mind. First, they come to a, a, a thing of water, and it's bitter water, and so the people are convinced that Moses has brought them there to die. And God says, see that log over there, throw it in the water, and the water will be good. And so he does that, and now the people have water to drink. Well, then they realize, well, you know what, we're hungry and we're in the middle of the desert. What are we going to do? Let's go back to Egypt because it's so much more fun in Egypt. They weren't doing anything wrong with us. Never mind that they killed our babies a little while ago. But that's okay. Let's go back. And what happens is they, they, in their grumbling, God pours out more grace on them. And, and they have manna from heaven. And manna, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but manna is Hebrew for what is it? Because they don't know what it is. It's just this dewy bread stuff that appears on the ground in the mornings and they would go and gather it and they would eat it and and so then they get grumbly oh moses all we have to eat all day long is manna if only we had a little meat and so god sends 
doves into, uh, into their midst, and, and they, the camp now has meat, and they have manna, and they have water, uh, but then they start to get thirsty again because they've been cruising across the desert heading to a mountain, and, and Moses brings forth water from a rock. And all of these things just make me realize one thing, and, and, and that's this. And this wasn't in the sermon until last night. Uh, here's the deal, um, and maybe you need to hear this. Maybe it's me that needs to hear this. When God sets you free from something, it is never a good idea to keep looking back. And, and that's, that's the problem that the Israelites kept having. They're walking forward, always looking in the other direction. So they're, you know, one step forward and looking over their shoulder at what God, what God has brought them out of, but not remembering it because we all have this, this wonderful blessing of rose-colored glasses when we look at our past. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the past wasn't all that much better. I mean, we've had some bad times, we've had some good times, and that's kind of the thing that, that we keep going. And so when, when God sets you free from something, keep looking forward so that you can make it there. That was, that was free. Um, write that one down. I don't know. Uh, they arri- so uh, they arrive at Mount Sinai, and there God, God is preparing to give the law of Moses. So they come to the mountain, and they, they surround the mountain. They camp at the foot of the mountain, and God descends on the top of the mountain in fire and in smoke. And the people, rightly so, are terrified. And they don't know what exactly is going on. And this is the same people that, that saw God put a pillar of fire to prevent the Israel or the Egyptians from coming in and killing them. The same people that saw God split the sea and, and allowed them to walk through on dry land. And the same God that created all of the plagues that, that Egypt saw. And yet they are surprised when God shows up on the mountain because it's not like anything they have ever experienced. And Moses goes up on the mountain and is talking to God, and, and, and the people are like, I mean, they get to a point where they're like, hey, Moses, here's the deal. Why don't you go talk to God, and you come tell us what God says so we don't have to go up there because we don't really want to interact with that because they don't understand what's happening. And so God uses Moses as a go-between, and they go back and forth, and, and God, God has him come down and provides for him uh, a set of commandments. And so I'm going to, instead of, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's actually 613 commandments in the Old Testament in the Mosaic Law. Uh, we're only going to read 10 of them. You're welcome, because um, <laughs> we don't have all day. Uh, but I, I did want to say, so it's going to be actually in uh, Exodus chapter 20. And so I wanted to, if you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to go ahead and grab those. I have to take my glasses off so I can read to this tiny print until I can find my, my bigger Bible. Uh, but if you don't have a Bible, I would love for you to get one for free. We have them on the table outside. Uh, you can pick one up. If you use an online Bible, go ahead and jump to that. But we're going to be reading uh, the first 17 verses. So what we've been doing during the course of this is I'm inviting you to stand uh, if, if you're able. And I, because it's 17 verses, if you get tired and you want to sit back down after we go through a couple of them, that's fine. But hear these words from God. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You, have, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth below or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. 
punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who is misusing his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath the Lord your God, to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither your you nor your son or your daughter, nor your manservant or your maidservant, nor your animals, for the, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God, the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. So here's the deal. Moses goes up and brings down the Ten Commandments, which are really the, the epitome of the rules that God wants to do. So we, we know because Jesus told us that, uh, that it can be distilled down into two commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, body, and love, the, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Those are the two commandments that that we understand that everything can be distilled down to. But these 10 are a predecessor to that because the 10 commandments lead to everything else that's going on. And, and then there's religious stuff and there's different things that are being provided, but there's 613 rules. And Moses comes down the mountain and, and reads to them these 613 different rules. And the question being asked of the Israelites is, this is, this is the covenant God is making with you. I will be your God, and I will follow you, and, or you will follow me, and you will be my people. And the, the response is, are you going to do these things so that we can be together? And, and, and so uh, they say this is their response. Everything the Lord has said we will do. Everything the Lord has said. All 613 rules, we will do that, God. And so what Moses does next is he, he gets them to prepare a celebration. And the celebration is to, to worship God. And so they have burnt offerings and they, they slaughter some bulls and they get the blood of the bulls. And then it says this in Exodus 24, 8. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. This is the covenant that has been cut. Now you have been entered into this covenant. And this is not, again, this is not their story. This is our story. This is a story of our growing in understanding and wisdom of who God is because God is revealing himself a little bit more to Moses and the Israelites. And then God instructs them to build a, uh, a tent, a tabernacle, where he's going to dwell. And, and I don't want you to miss this. Because this is so important. The proximity of God changes through the story of Exodus. It starts where God is distant 
and God is a long way off, and the, the people are, are in slavery in Egypt and wailing and, and, and hoping that God will come rescue them. And then, once God does show up, God moves to a mountaintop in fire and in smoke, and then they build the tent, and they organize their camp around this tabernacle, and God moves from the mountaintop into the tabernacle. This is such a beautiful thing because God continues that as part of his story of redemption. Uh, this is the next step in God's plan is that, that there will be one who comes in the flesh and enters into community, not so distant, not separated by a veil, but having face-to-face -face relations. Uh, I'm not a super fan of, of the message version of the Bible uh, because it's not an interpretation, but I love the way <laughs> the love the way he says this in John 1 14 the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood God became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood in the person of Jesus Christ and then through his life death and resurrection we get the ultimate closeness that we can receive from God and that is the presence of God's Holy Spirit dwelling within us this is the gift that God offers to us through our relationship and, and God, through Moses, has this relationship that, that is unlike anything until we receive that presence of the Holy Spirit. And we are far closer now to God than Moses, even Moses was. And, and that should boggle our minds because we should take, take seriously the fact that God has drawn closer than close to us. Remember the very first Sunday we started this, uh, we talked about how God is, is transcendent and God is imminent. God is bigger than big, and God is closer than close. And that's exactly what we see with the gift of the Holy Spirit, that God is so close to us that we can't, that, that, that we can't do anything that will force him away. So my, my question for you is, where are you in this story? Where, where, where are you this morning in your relationship with God? As we have started this season of Lent, this preparation to grow in our relationship, my, my question is, are you looking back at things that God has freed you from when you need to be looking forward, keeping your eyes on the prize, the, the gift of Jesus Christ? Or, or are, you, are you wondering if God is even capable of doing something to set you free? And, and we need to remember, we need to look back at the stories, not look behind us, but look at the stories of what God has done already and know that God is more than willing to set you free from the brokenness that you are struggling with. And finally, we need to recognize the beauty of God's redemptive plan and the offer that he makes for our lives so that we can grow in deeper relationship with him so that we can come to life in Jesus Christ. This is a God that we can get behind, one that isn't afraid to reveal himself and isn't, uh, isn't uh, too small to liberate a, an entire people from slavery. This is a God who has plan, a plan and a purpose throughout time for redemption of his people, his beloved, you and me. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the gift you give us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the love that you offer us and the way that you reveal yourself to us. Thank you for not being, um, thank you for being bigger than we expect. And thank you for being, uh, being here in this moment. And thank you for the love that you offer to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you caught it, um, 
and something just kicked back on up front, guys. There it goes. I don't know if you caught the language. Uh, this is the covenant, right, that, that, that was cut with the Israelites. And it's important for us because Jesus uses that same language when he is talking to his disciples in the upper room right before he's arrested when he shows them how much he loves them. He takes bread even though he knows they're going to turn away and he breaks the bread. And he gives it to his disciples and he says, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And when the supper was over, he takes the cup. And it was the cup of Elijah. And he lifts it up to God and he gives thanks to God. And he says, take, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we give thanks and praise to you, Almighty Father, and we ask that you would pour your Holy Spirit out upon us gathered here and upon these gifts of bread and the fruit of the vine, that you would make them be for us the, the body and blood of Christ so that we can be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by your blood. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the earth until you come in final victory and we celebrate at your heavenly banquet all honor and glory and power are yours now and forever, almighty God. Amen. Friends, in just a moment, I'm going to invite uh, y'all to come forward and, and you'll be able to celebrate communion.